Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's do or die time as you're either fighting for a playoff spot, you're in the playoffs, or you're looking to ruin someone's chances of making the playoffs. This makes setting the perfect lineup all the more important, and we've got you guys covered by answering your sit-start dilemmas. Of course, we've also got you guys covered on this week's biggest games, both in terms of, of importance and also in terms of high expected scores. All of this and more coming right after this. Zappi looking to Jared Stearns who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. It is the all-important weeks of CFF. It we have battled our ways. People have either clinched playoff spots, they're fighting for them, they're fighting in the playoffs this week. It really is just absolutely do or die time for everybody. And in fact, we got three great weeks of college football left as well. So it, it's just a fun time all around for us right now. In case you didn't hear me at the top of the show, my name is Jared Palmgren. With me, at, as always, for our previews is Mr. Chris Moxley. Chris, how are you doing tonight, sir? Good. Excited to uh, kick off another week. We already got action going. Yep. A triple header fun, tonight. Fun stuff. Triple header tonight. We got, um, I think, three games tomorrow too, right? I believe so. Yeah, I, I just put more action th- Thursday and Friday just doesn't stop. Every football, every day of the week. That's what we love to see, unless you're my girlfriend, in which case she wonders how it's even possible that there are football games every night of the week. Uh, I just actually put out a tweet a few minutes ago where I said, uh, uh, Broke is watching ele- election coverage tonight. Woke is watching a match and triple header. Because that's what I'll be doing after we're done here is going back and watching some football. So, because that seems like a lot more fun. Anyway, again, we got a great show ahead for you guys today. We're going to be discussing some of the bigger games. Got some ranked v. ranked matchups. Uh, I'm not entirely sure these will be ranked v. ranked because, again, this this was my best guess of them because we actually don't have the playoff rankings yet. So, we're kind of going off of last week's rankings a little bit. But, you know. We'll, Reason we'll, AP, that's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll fly hey, by the seat hey. of our pants here. Um, and then again, as always, got we got your sit start dilemmas, and we've got uh, some high scoring games you guys can take advantage of. But before we get into that, Moxley, I want to ask you again. We're in the playoffs now, and I'm running my first um, CFF Dynasty league in terms of, or I'm well, that's just it. I'm running my first CFF Dynasty league this year, and like when it comes to the playoff rules, like. Redraft's pretty easy. You don't have to really worry about anything too much. It's just you pick your four to six teams. You do your like top ranked records and everything. But like with Dynasty, it's actually a little hard to consider like what to do at the end of the year because you have a lot of teams who are out of it. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they got a bunch of studs on their rosters. And so you're trying to sit there and figure out how to 
let them or make them hold on to those guys because you don't want them just dumping a bunch of studs onto the waiver wire the week before um, the week before the playoffs and all these playoff teams to go pick up a bunch of studs. But you also want to be able to give them the ability to continue to pick up guys so they can start building for next year as well. Uh, it's been a little difficult for me to navigate that. The best thing I have found, and credit to Justin Heisey, he did this in our Dynasty League, and I'm trying to implement it in ours moving forward, is that he is letting us use the taxi squad system on fan tracks to give us a place to dump our seniors that we expect to either go dra- get go off and get drafted this year or guys who are out of eligibility and that frees up some spots on our roster for us to still pick them up but it also doesn't let us pick it up or drop these guys off onto the waiver wire for the world to claim how would you go about it mox like i guess again you play a lot of c to c so you don't really have to think about that too much you just kind of let them go off to the nfl rosters but how would you kind of navigate that um it's a good question i think my preferred solution would be to um if you're eliminated from playoff contention anyone who is in playoff contention cannot add a player dropped Mm -hmm. from said roster okay which would solve which, which would solve that issue right Regardless of how you do it, it's going to be manual, like tracking it. Of so course. depends how much work you want to get your commissioner doing. Um, you can freeze ad drops, which I don't think is the right approach. No. Um, I I think you hmm, it's tough. I mean, that's I, I think that I would just say if you are a uh, playoff team, you cannot add someone dropped by a non-playoff team. Is how I would approach it. So basically, if a, if, but, if a player is dropped from a non-playoff team, they basically are frozen for the rest of the year. So you, you as the commissioner, would just have to yeah. keep a list of the guys that are getting dropped from the non-playoff team. I guess that could work, but like you said, a lot of that has to do with the how much work you want to give the commissioner. The other kind of solution I've seen, and this is what the BTR guys did with their dynasty league, is they've made it to where nobody who's out of the playoffs can add or drop right now. Only teams that are in the playoffs can. But if you add a yeah, player but if you add a player in the playoffs, you have to start that player. Which I That's a that's a pretty good solution. It, it's an interesting twist. And I'm glad I I'm glad I picked up on it because I was picking up a couple like a freshman or two like this week because I figured it's like one last week before the playoffs and everything. I'm like go ahead and grab some guys for next year that I think might be worth something. And then I saw that it was like, oh, by the way, you have to start the, this game. And I'm like, well, I'm not picking anybody up this week because I'm happy with who I have right now. Yeah, I that's an interesting solution. The only thing is that it basically limits your opportunity to uh, stash. Mm-hmm. It, and like, but once the playoffs start, I don't hate that rule either. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't have a good solution. It's, it is a legitimate question. We'll go with an easier one then. Chris, what do you prefer? 14 playoffs or 16 playoffs for CFF? Uh, six with two buys. Okay. I, I think you should reward the top two teams in some capacity, um, depending on how you want to reward them or and or who you're designating as the top two teams is one thing. But I think they should be rewarded personally. 
See, I kind of so agree. four doesn't really do that. I, I I definitely get that. The only thing is that the CFF season is already much shorter than the NFL season. NFL season you have seventeen weeks versus CFF you only got tw- you only got thirteen, so you're already kind of four weeks shorter there. So to take away one of the to take away three out of those thirteen weeks, that only really leaves you ten weeks for a regular season. Seems pretty short in my opinion, but again. I get it, and especially for larger leagues. Like again, if you're if you're in like a in a twelve man league, four teams make sense to me because if you do six, that's half the league that makes the playoffs. Um, but if you're in like a sixteen to like twenty four team, yeah, there's no they're, they're absolutely do a six do a six to eight man playoff, no problem whatsoever. Last question I'll throw out to you here, Chris, in terms of um, playoff rules and everything, of what you prefer. Are you just a straight best record kind of guy, or do you like to kind of throw in there some kind of tiebreakers or some kind of twists in there to kind of account for things like uh, teams that just get unlucky with their matchups week to week? Maybe they're the second best in total team score on the year, but now they have a four and six record. So it feels, so they're out of the playoff on, even though they're pretty much the second best team throughout the year. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... There's a couple different ways to do this one as well. And what I, I think you need to reward teams with based on points for in some capacity in making the playoffs. What that looks like is probably up to each individual team, but I believe they need, or league, sorry, but I do believe they need to be rewarded um, mm-hmm. because that's truly like the mark of a good team, whether it's reserving one playoff spot for the highest score I think that's a good one using um, I think the best solution personally is using your score, getting another win against the median each week. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think that Fantrix allows you to do that sc- scoring. Maybe they it do. Would, and I, I don't know about it. I haven't seen it. It would probably be something you have to do manually each week to kind of keep track that's of. I, that's what I figured. Um, but that's, that's the best solution in my opinion. Yeah, I but, I like you know. I like the lob solution. Uh, shout out to John Lob here, Gridiron Scholar. For some reason, if you don't do see any of his content on fan tracks, what are you doing? Um, John's the best. John's the best. Uh, but he, in all of his leagues, will set aside the number three seed for so the 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 top three record holders get the one, two, and four, and then among the rest of the team. So if you're in like a twelve man <laughs> league, top three teams. And then bottom nine teams, whoever has the most, whoever has the highest number of total season points, they get the number three spot. I think that's the best way because again, I'm in a league this year where I am the second highest scorer on the year, and I do have a four and six record. I'm well outside of the f- playoff race at this point, and man, it just sucks. Like you look at you, you look and you see, and you're like, you look at how many points are scored against you, and I think. Um, I think uh, one of the guys in in this league, he, God bless him, Stan, you're awesome. He uh, he does like all these like stats and info for our league and like points out like little trends each week. It's actually really fun. He'll tell me exactly how many wins I have benched this year. By the way, fun fact, it's four. Um, and he um, basically told me that I got on average um, like. 30 point 30 40 more points scored on me than the average each week it was it was absolutely absolutely brutal so 
But even so, I, that's kind of how I would solve that. So again, plenty of fun playoff rules and everything. I thought that'd be a fun, quick discussion for me and Chris there at the beginning. Let's go ahead, Moxley, and touch on some of these top games for this weekend. But first, you guys know what I gotta do. I'm gonna give you my spiel real quick. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you leave a five-star review if you can. Those written five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Haven't got one of those in a while. Guys, come on. Let's, 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 let's say some kind words or some constructive criticism. I can take both, all right? I just want to hear from you guys. It's great. I love your feedback. Love hearing the little things that you guys think will make the show just a little bit better. Just like these little graphics I've been adding over the last couple of weeks. It has been a ton of fun to work on that kind of stuff. We are part of the CFF team here at Campus of Canton. News myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and the handsome man above me, Mr. Chris Moxley. We got podcasts. We got articles. We got rankings. Weekly CFF rankings, definitely helpful for those of you who are looking to try to set those perfect lineups this week. And if you are watching this on YouTube, you'll see a long little ticker tape down there at the bottom. I actually have our CFF weekly rankings are at the top 10 at each position down there. If you want to go even further, you need to sign up and go to campusacanton.com to see the rest of those rankings. So got the top 10 down there at the bottom, but if you want to go even further, that's the place to do it. Lots of great stuff at campusacanton.com. Go check it all out. Boxley, let's talk about some of these games going into this week. And let's start in the SEC. Let's go to Alabama at Ole Miss. These two teams, I believe, are right next to each other in the AP. I believe Alabama's 10. Ole Miss sticking there at number 11. Alabama, 12-point favorite here, over under 63.5. We'll talk about who we think might win this game and everything. But, of course, we got to talk about the fantasy impact here. Is there anybody in this game that you're a little bit worried about, Mox? Again, some people thinking that Bama's kind of get to get right here, kind of like how they did to Mississippi State the week after they lost to Tennessee. Is there kind of a bounce-back game here for that defense? What are we thinking here? Um, I think on Alabama, the only players you honestly confidently start are Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs. I won't... Like, Corey Brooks had a, a nice game last week, but I'm not really going to mess around with him, especially in the playoffs. On the... Hey, Ole Miss's defense is really bad, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Like, it's pretty awful. So I have no problem starting both those guys without hesitation. I think you're probably doing that anyway. On the other side, I think you can start Quinchon Judkins, but I really do not want to. Mm-hmm. If I can look elsewhere, that would be good. Because I just, I don't like the Ole Miss offense either. I think Ole Miss is just me- mega frauds, man. Um, I just don't think they're very good. So those game script doesn't really work in Judkins' favor, and that might be tough for people to like sit him. But I'd prefer not to start him if I can avoid it. I feel like yeah, if you if you have much better options, you could probably do it again. There's definitely leagues where like if I'm looking at my running back room, I can only start three of them. There's probably some guys with better matchups, and I'm like, okay, um, I'll probably sit him. It's kind of like Braylon Allen this week. I actually have a league or two where I am sitting Braylon Allen this week because I again going up against Iowa, too low scoring of a game. I know he'll probably get over 100 yards and a touchdown, but like just higher scores like elsewhere i kind of feel a little bit the same way about quinchon judkins but also i'm I'm much less scared because again this alabama defense has not been living up to the potential that alabama defense has had even the last couple of years now granted they've not been living up to the alabama the legendary alabama defenses from about a decade ago but even still i think if you have to start judkins you're feeling pretty safe there the real question becomes do we trust anybody in terms of the 
Ole Miss passing game, and I'm going to say no. I'm going to say don't worry about any no. of those guys. Um, but now in terms of who wins this game, I think we're both kind of in agreement that Alabama probably wins this one. It is on the road at Ole Miss. Uh, Alabama has had a much harder time on the road this year than they have been at home. So I think if I had to take a bet here, again, I'm not a betting man. That's Moxley's department. But I would probably take Alabama to win, and I might take Ole Miss to cover. Maybe. Yeah, this number's like, sorry, excuse me, long day. Um, this number is like, it, it's oscillating between like 11 and a half and 12 and a half. Um, so I, that's a no play for me, but I do think Alabama wins this game. The concern that I have with Quinchon Judkins, just to tie off that conversation, Alabama ranks first in the country in rushing defense. Like, it's a scary unit to, to run against. I really like Quinchon Judkins. Just know that you're playing with fire when you do star him. Fair enough. Not that you can't. Just know that the downside is absolutely there. Absolutely. So now we move over to another game here, over more into Moxley's wheelhouse. We got a ranked G5 matchup this week, and I believe... I forget, did the game they go to this game, or are they going to TCU, Texas? Uh, they're probably going to TCU, Texas, but I, I actually don't know. I would love it if game day went to this game, because again, Tulane's had an awesome year so far. They beat Kansas State, who's a legitimately good team this year. I was kind of worried about Kansas State after that one, but Tulane's gone on a win streak ever since then, and they're going up against UCF. UCF, kind of another team that's kind of having a relatively surprisingly good year. They're 7-2 so far. Both these teams are ranked. Who are we starting in this game, Moxley? Is there anybody here that we should probably caution against? This over-under is a little low, 53, so you're probably not looking at a ton of shootout potential between these two teams. So where is the value? Yeah, I actually think both these defenses are pretty good. Um, There's a lot more players to not start than start in this game, in my opinion. I think there are probably two startable players maybe like i tajay spears having a guy that you'd be basically can't bench right now just he's been so good and efficient despite splitting work like he's been really really good and i think he can actually run with this front seven from ucf uh he is splitting work with um ashad clayton changed his name i don't remember i don't know like what his new name is I think it's like, like all these so players clayton. are changing their names yeah, it's Clayton something. So I, I wanted to get it right, but I, I will I will look it up after this. He's been getting involved a little bit, but I still like Tajay Spears. I still think you can start him. And then on the UCF side, are you really confident starting anyone? I mean, RJ Harvey's looked really good in recent weeks, but Isaiah Bowser is still there. Mikey Keene is better than John Reese Plumley. I was just a pure quarterback. He's, Yes. He's looked better. He's played better. He brings more to the offense because he is not solely one-dimensional. He doesn't run as well, obviously, but he's an excellent, not excellent, much, much better passer. I like They should just roll with Mikey Keene, and I don't know if they will, but if John Reese probably plays, I don't think you can start him against his defense, is at least my two cents. No, I agree. Again, John Reese probably, he is a much better best ball player than he is a actual cff yes. asset on a week to week basis and this is definitely one of those weeks where you cannot rely on him the running backs in this game are a little interesting to me tajay spears man he is such a beast but man they refuse to just get him the workload on a week to week basis it's like this is a guy that deserves 25 carries a game and basically only gets like 
13, 14 a game. And he'll do a lot with those 13, 14 carries. But, man, you, every time you see him play, you just they, want him to get more yeah. touches. They haven't really needed to mix to, like, get shoulder the workload all that much, though, last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he, he Clayton's been involved early, but I, like, they weren't going to lose to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Like, Tulsa stinks, and they were without their quarterback, Davis Brand. So, like, I wasn't really worried about it last week as much. And then the week before, they played, who, some terrible team. Uh, but he mixed in early again, and it was like it just wasn't a game that they were going to lose. So in a game that's more competitive, I think they're dogs in this one. I think they're actually like two point dogs. Like we might not see as much much Clayton. Um, yeah, they played Memphis. I didn't think they had any chance of losing to Memphis. No. So I mean, it, Spears had twenty four carries in that game, right? Like I don't know. I'm not as worried. I think as as the numbers are start, are indicating, but that's just my two cents. Yeah, definitely makes sense. On the UCF side of things, I like RJ Harvey moving forward. I'm not starting him in this matchup. And then Ryan O'Keefe, if you have to start a UCF wide receiver, he's definitely kind of come on a little strong here near the end. But Javon Baker could definitely pop up at any different moment. Let's go to the battle in the Big 12 here. We got TCU at Texas. Texas is a seven-point favorite here over under 64.5. I think Texas wins this game. I think this is where everything kind of finally catches up to TCU a little bit. Too many things are kind of colliding here to make it to where I it's hard for me to see them go into Austin and come out with a win. But this is also one of those games where if everybody's healthy, I don't see how you don't start them. I don't see how you don't start Xavier Worthy in this matchup. I don't see how you don't start all the studs. Max Dugan, Bijan, Quinn Ewers, um... Quentin Johnson, if he's playing, uh, if he's healthy and playing, is there any, really, is it, this goes back to the question, who do you not start in this game? I don't think there is um, anybody. I think you should be a little bit hesitant to start Kendra Miller. I think Texas front seven is substantially better than their secondary. Mm-hmm. But still start him anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, just know that there's some downside there. TCU's secondary is terrible, so I think you can start Queen Ewers and Xavier Worthy. You're obviously starting Bijan. Yeah, Jamie it's kind Sanders. of hard to find a player that you don't want to start. Yeah, just Davey Sanders. Um, yeah, because like I, guess... I think Texas wins this game, and they cover this game. This spreads seven. I think they do that. I don't think Quentin Johnson's going to play this week. You don't think so? So just think, think. I really don't. Okay, but. So if, if, yeah, if, if okay, no, let's today. go with that. Let's go with that. Quentin Johnson, he doesn't play this week. What TC wide receiver are you going with then? Hey Barber, Darius Davis, which one are you going with? Do I have to? I would like you to. <laughs> Tay Barber is a little bit more involved. Darius Davis is more of like a gadgety player, so I'll probably go with Barber. But I mean, I don't really want to play like either. If, if Johnson goes out, I feel like one of those guys is in for a pretty big game. Yeah, I mean, Davis is like a really. Um, He's just gadgety. I think Barber actually has like a bigger role in this offense, mm-hmm. like on a week-to-week mm-hmm. basis, that you can rely on at least. Makes sense. Makes sense. What's um one Texas player that is not a stud, but you would if you if he was on your roster, you'd be willing to throw him out there as a start? I mean, I don't consider 
I don't consider Xavier Worthy a stud currently, just based on the way he's performed this year. But I know that you're probably starting him regardless, right? Like, I think you can start Jordan Whittington in this matchup. Okay. He hasn't been great the last couple weeks, but I I mean, I think he could provide some value for you. Yeah, like a deep, deep league, like 20 teams maybe. Yeah, If you're desperate. The CCU defense is not exactly anything to write home about. For no, they're sure. secondary trash. Speaking of uh, trash defenses, let's go talk about North Carolina at Wake Forest. Over under on this game, seventy six and a freaking half. Um, Wake Forest, a three and a half point favorite here. Once again, is there anybody who don't start in this game? I would say I'd be a little hesitant to start a guy like Elijah Green because even though he got all of the carries against. Um, against UVA last week. I think he is probably your RB1 moving forward for UNC. I just think this is the kind of game where it becomes a full track meet, and he is not the kind of guy that is going to be heavily involved in a game like that. If you got Drake May, if you got Antoine Green, if you got Josh Downs, they are absolutely starts in this game. They are going to absolutely eat here. Wake Forest guys, A.T. Perry, obviously. I would say if you're looking for, like, Taylor Moore and Jamal Jamal Banks, those are guys that I would be pretty comfortable with throwing out there on a roster that where I just need some upside to get me into, to try to maybe put me over the top in a league. Mox, what are your thoughts? Here, So here's the concern. I, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here against this total. Um, and think about this game a little bit differently. Okay. I think that there is a chance... This game goes under the 76 and a half because Wake Forest decides they're going to run it with Christian Turner and Justice Ellison. A little bit more. Just say, let's get Drake May off the field. I think that's a possibility. That would and so make I would everyone not, cry. Yeah, I oh I oh I agree. I got a lot, I got a lot of players playing in this game. Um I just wonder if that's gonna be the Wake game plan. And I don't think it's a bad one because you can run on this North Carolina team. So that makes me wonder if you put the reason that I is because I wonder if that puts the running backs in play as potential values. Cause I still think you want to play like all those players, but do you also want to throw justice Ellison out there? Maybe like, I I, I don't think that makes him a, I don't this game script. His, non- the biggest play. problem for me is I feel like he is the first to go. If this game becomes a track meet, he is the first player that they kind of move away from. Yeah. I mean, and also, That's the again, assumption, right? Like they, they would be going against history over the last couple of years if they were to try to slow this game down. Because let's look at the let's look at the scores from the last two years. Twenty twenty, this game finished fifty nine to fifty three. Wake Forest wins last year. Uh, Wake Forest wins fifty eight to fifty five. So last two years, both of these teams have hit the fifties. I'm not saying like I'm not saying it's a guarantee they both hit fifties again this year, but it would be a massive change. <laughs> especially with how bad these both of these defenses are if this game somehow got knocked down into the 30s for both of these teams. I j- I'm just saying I feel like that would be a pretty big change. It would. I'm also just playing devil's advocate. No, fair enough. With how I, how I think Wake might handle the game script. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not in the room with Dave Clawson who is feeling himself, so. Speaking of devil's advocate, it is now time to debate, Mr. Moxley. We got to talk about some of these sit starts that people have been giving us. So let's get right over to it. 
We got our quarterbacks up here first and really appreciate all of you guys who are sending these in and are replying to the official Chasing the Natty Twitter account. Go follow it at Chasing the Natty. That's all, that's all there is. It's just the title. So go follow it real quick. That's where I'll be making announcements about the show. That's where I'll be posting all of this stuff regarding place, ways for you guys to interact with the show. And whenever I need your guys' input, that is the place to go. So let's get started with this very first one. This comes to us from Tyler Makings. He's got a three-ray quarterback battle for us. We are talking Mr. Malik Cunningham, quarterback out of Louisville, going up against... Set Quavius Bennett, fourth of his name, quarterback out of Georgia, going up against Mississippi State this week. And then in addition to that, he has Spencer Sanders, quarterback out of Oklahoma State, going up against, who are they going up against? Iowa State this week. So, Spencer Sanders is out of this completely for me because he has been hurt, he has been nicked up, he has the rushing ability, but Iowa State has a legitimately good defense that has held a lot of good CFF quarterbacks in check whenever they face them. I would not play around with this. So that leaves Malik Cunningham and Setson Bennett. Setson Bennett coming off a really good week against Tennessee last week, scored 25 fantasy points, has had a three-week streak of 20-plus fantasy points, pretty much a very safe floor CFF quarterback. If that's all you're looking for, he is a pretty good option for you this week. But the problem is you got him going up against Malik Cunningham here. And I get why you might think this is like somewhat of a battle. Because again, you're like, oh, Malik Cunningham, he's going up against Clemson's D this week. Have you watched Clemson the last couple of weeks? This isn't the Clemson D that has been shutting guys down like in past years. They have been very porous. They have been allowing good quarterbacks to take advantage of them. They got absolutely abused by Notre Dame's running, de running, rushing offense last week. And you don't think that Malik Cunningham can take advantage of that? I think he'll do very, very well. Cunningham is a little bit on a, of on a mid-streak here. Again, 21, 22, and 20 fantasy points the last three weeks. Definitely not the Malik Cunningham numbers you want to see. But I still think he is to start here because I'm not entirely convinced that Georgia is going to be relying heavily on Setson Bennett in Miss at Mississippi State in that environment with the Cowbells. Mox, you're muted. Thank you. I, I, yeah, I no, I agree. I I think that Cunningham is probably the high floor, high ceiling player. Of, mm -hmm. of these group, like I wouldn't play Spencer Sanders. Um, I wouldn't play Stetson Bennett. Cunningham has been injured the last few weeks. He's been hurt. Mm -hmm. So if we think that he is healthier, then he's the slam dunk play. Because I, I, I think you, you, you said it right. Like this dude is currently not, or this constant defense is currently not what they were. They're just not playing at the same level. That just the front seven isn't this team has five future first round picks and is not playing at the level that you need them to. That's the bottom line nope. with this group. And that's what happens when you hire inexperienced players. But I think you have to go play Cunningham here. I just don't like the other two options all that much in, in their respective matchups. Yeah. Again, Setson can be a really good option for you if you're just looking for a safe floor. But guess what? Cunningham's also a pretty safe floor. Like Mox said, he's been injured the last three weeks and is still getting you a base floor of 20 points. And he offers a much higher upside than Setson does. So I am with you completely on that. Let's go to our next question here. This one comes to us from John Ludovina. And he is asking us to pick between two stud quarterbacks here. We got Drake May going up against Wake Forest or we got Max Dugan 
going up against Texas. If there is a way for you guys to find both of these guys on your roster, you are sitting pretty for this upcoming week. But the problem is we got to make a choice here. So Mox, which way do you go on this one? I'm going to keep this short. Don't overthink it. Drake May, Wake Forest defense is horrible. I think Max Dugan has the potential to struggle versus Texas if they get pressure. Uh, just May, he's the one who got you here. Absolutely, like 30 points each week. Just don't over, don't overthink it. Don't try to get cute. Go with May. Higher, higher point total in this game. Has been excellent. Let's do it. Roll Drake, man. I'm not going to argue here. Again, I've, I've been kind of going around saying that Drake May is getting absolutely disrespected in the Heisman conversation right now because he's got better stats than guys like C.J. Stroud. He's got better stats. Uh, I'm not going to say he's better stats than Bo Nix, but even so, like he's got currently more fantasy points than Caleb, William do- Caleb Williams does, and everybody's talking about Caleb Williams belongs in the Heisman. So obviously the Heisman's not a fantasy points award, but even so, the fact that people are just completely throwing him out the window. If more people are talking about Stetson Bennett winning the Heisman than Drake May, I think that is a problem. And I'm the Georgia homer over here, guys, okay? Drake May has got, like Mox said, has gotten you, to, gotten you to this point. Don't play with fire here. He is going to be the reason why UNC is in a game every single week. He is going to be the one scoring the touchdowns. They don't have a stud running back that is going to be taking away a ton of those options for him. He's probably going to run into the end zone at least once per game for you. Yeah, it's got to be Drake May, and I'm with Mox. Max Duggan, to me, has the bigger bust potential out of these two for this weekend. Drake May is the highest-scoring quarterback on the week. That's my prediction. Uh, that is indeed what your prediction is. If you've been watching the little ticker tape down there, you will see that Moxley has Drake May has his QB1 this week. So we'll get back to that next week. Let's get over to these running backs here. So we got a twofer here. This one comes to us from our good friend Mitch Hart. And he is asking us between Roman Hemby, who is going up against Penn State this week, or we can do Deuce Vaughn going up against Baylor. Two pretty good rushing defenses right here um, between Penn State and Baylor, I would say. My big thing is we're finally getting the Deuce Vaughn we've been wanting to get the last couple of weeks. He's finally scoring touchdowns. They're They're being gracious to him. They're finally actually letting him get into the end zone they're utilizing him in the receiving game a lot more he's had seven and eight targets over the last two weeks um he's getting upwards of 19 to 20 carries adrian martinez with him being kind of nicked up and everything they're not running him as much so deuce font is back right now and i personally like the matchup with baylor just a little bit more than i do roman hemby going up against penn state so mitch buddy we gotta go- deuces it's deuces that's all i'm gonna say Box, what do you think? Yeah, I actually don't like this Baylor defense all that much. Um, I think their rush defense is certainly better than their passing defense because they got Siaki Ika um, in the front seven, who's like a beast nose tackle. But it's like a pretty good rushing defense, like a top 25 unit versus Penn State, who I think is substantially better, on at least on a down-to-down basis, right? I, I think Penn State does a better job down-to-down. Baylor does a better job in living explosive plays. I'm going to go with Deuce because you have passing upside that I don't think Hemby has on a week-to-week basis. I mean, he's caught a couple passes, but not enough for me to feel comfortable that that's a huge role that he has. So I I am going to go with Vaughn. Um, 
But I think the Penn State defense has struggled a little bit. I don't think that's the case this week. Yeah. And again, it's, it's outside of crab season, so Maryland can't be good. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, no, and not, knowing Mitch, he doesn't. This is probably not a PPR league. He tends to be a bit more standard like I am. So I would probably... So it's not a huge thing that Deuce gets more receiving work, but even so, it's just extra yards, so why not take it? Oh, I, I get that. We'll save it for the offseason, though. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's let's save that for a whole discussion in the offseason. Oh, yeah. So let's move on to our next running back question here. We got a battle of the freshmen here, dude. This had like Ben. This comes from uh, from Ben Wagner. Ben, I I wonder if this was like a C to C roster where you went he- freshman heavy and you're sitting here thanking God that you got these three studs as immediate starters out of your freshmen. So well done to you, sir. But we got Jaden Ott running back out of California. He's going up against Oregon State this week. Or we got Quenchon Judkins running back out of Alabama. Go, or running back out of Ole Miss going up against Alabama, or we can go with Damian Martinez running back out of Oregon State going up against Cal. So two of these running backs are actually going up against each other this week. Yeah. We've already talked about Quinshawn Judkins. There's definitely reason to be hesitant with him. Jaden Ott going up against his Oregon State defense. His Oregon State defense has actually been pretty good uh, so far this year. And Ott definitely has, when he's gone up against better competition along the D-line, has definitely struggled. Again, he's probably going to fix that as his career goes along. But again, he's a freshman right now. Meanwhile, Damian Martinez has definitely kind of been on a roll recently. Um, two games of, or three straight games, 16 plus uh, carries. Been getting a little bit of receiving work as well. Not a ton. So it's not like he's relying on that by any means. But I think I would lean Damian Martinez out of this bunch. Especially, like, I like Ott a lot because I got him everywhere but at the same time I think Martinez is the safer bet because Ott is just too up and down for me and then Judkins going up against an Alabama defense Alabama defensive line that is pissed off from last week I'm a little hesitant it's but again that Alabama defensive line gave up 185 yards to LSU who has not been a rushing team you know for a fact they got an absolute butt chewing at practice this week and are absolutely going to be looking to step up this week so, Moxley, what are your thoughts here? I'm going with Martinez. Yeah, no, you, you said it said it well. Cal, I think, is a bottom five rush defense in the country in terms of uh, rushing success rate, and they allow a bunch of explosive plays. Roll with Martinez this week. I talk, already talked about Judkins, and I like Jay Knott, but I don't think this is Jay Knott week. No. This is not, yeah, I, I agree. Like This is, this just doesn't, doesn't feel like an odd week. I, I have odd in several places. This is not a week that I'm starting him. So, and then, like I said, we talked about Judkins earlier. There's reason to believe that probably not the best week in the world for him this week. Moving on to our third running back question. This is where we got the bonus this week. Uh, we're going to go with Mr. Joshua Jeffcoat, who actually left this on our YouTube comments on our last video. So I figured I would reward Mr. Joshua for, first of all, saying what a great show we have. And then second of all, he left a comment down below. And I said, I, I figured I'd give him a little bit of... Um, again, I give him a little bit of a reward here for that. So he's talking about our boy. We just talked about David Martinez. He's going up against Cal this week. Or do we go back to the pleasing man himself, Sean Tucker? Dud of a performance last week for Mr. Tucker. Only 10 carries, 19 yards, 1.9 yards per carry. Two receptions for three yards. Just not a good week overall. 
or Tucker, but he was kind of on a roll before that for the most part. Again, in the Clemson game, he only got five carries, but he was averaging 10 yards a carry. Absolutely killing it in that game. Do we expect a Tucker bounce back this week? He's going up against Florida State. Meanwhile, like we said, Damian Martinez, he's going up against Cal. If Tucker takes over a game again, like he's done in the past, I feel like he's in for, like, he could easily outperform Martinez this week. But Moxley, which of these two are you leaning? Yeah, I'm going to go with Martinez again. Uh, I I don't like this game script for Tucker. I mean, he's definitely getting the targets, so maybe that, that'll like bump him up a little bit. But I just, man, I just think Florida State's a substantially better team than Syracuse, so you're basically probably looking at another week of 5 to like 12 carries. I just mm. don't think that's enough volume to rely on, and I like Martinez, I especially in this matchup, Cal just has a really bad front seven. Um, they have a couple injuries up there, and they don't really have the size, which is which is weird of a power five team to say. But mm-hmm. yeah, I like Martinez. Um, I just don't know how you can trust Sean Tucker currently, especially I don't with know. He's, Garrett Schrader's not back this week either, right? Like he's out for a, a decent bit. I think it's Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Yeah, oh, Jesus, and yeah, I'm 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 really not trusting Sean Tucker this week again. I love no. Tucker. I, I root for him every week because I want to see him pleased, but I unfortunately think that as long as they still have only Del Rio Wilson back there, that he is going to be not pleased again this week. We're going to roll with Damian Martinez. Next up, let's go to some wide receiver questions. Next one comes to us from Mr. Brandon Champion. Uh, Brandon is a great friend of the show. He's been a longtime listener. So let's give him one of his questions here. We got Mr. Drake. Drake. Jake Bobo, wide receiver out of UCLA, going up against Arizona. Or we can go with the guy on the other side of the field, Tetariah McMillan, wide receiver out of Arizona, going up against UCLA. Which one of these guys are you pretty comfortable with here, Mox? Um, so it sounds like Jacob Cohen's not going to play this week, which Ooh. makes me lean McMillan. I, I would say, now that I know that, McMillan's my easy choice here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like he's not going to play. I, I mean, I can't confirm that because, you know, college injuries are the worst. But Daquan Finn says hello. I would play, yeah, I'd play McMillan. Although I do expect this UCLA game to be a blowout. I just, I think you got to go with McMillan. He's getting like consistently six to ten t- targets a game. So this is a pretty easy one, assuming Cohen is not playing. If he is playing, I think you go with Bobo. If he is playing, I still think I might lean McMillan. This game screams to me. DTR, Charbonnet, show. Ru- like, rushing the ball consistently. The, like, I believe you have Charbonnet listed as your RB1. And honestly, if I did my rankings this week, I probably would not be far behind you. I really think this is a... If he is healthy this week, whatever held him out last week, I God knows what that is. Thank you, Chip Kelly. But if he's back this week and he's fully healthy, especially Keegan Jones is not playing because Keegan Jones was not practicing uh, practice this week so far. I think Charbonnet can just basically run down Arizona's throat. I don't think Arizona, or I don't think UCLA needs to throw the ball a whole time. And we saw a lot. We saw that last week, Jake Brobo in a blowout to Arizona state only got three targets for 64 yards. Now granted again, he got plenty with that, with those three receptions, 64 yards, didn't find the end zone. I think the game script kind of favors Ceteri McMillan just a little bit more, even if Cowing's still out there, because McMillan can still produce even with Cowing out there. 
So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna lean T Mac here. Yeah, yeah, it is a way to way to play it for sure. Um, definitely less downside in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up here, this one comes to us from Ty Myers. We got a three-way wide receiver battle here for us. We got Antoine Green, wide receiver at UNC, going up against Wake Forest this week. Or we could go with Jaden Reed, wide receiver out of Michigan State. He's going up against Rutgers this week. Or we can go with J. Michael Sturdivant, wide receiver out of Cal, going up against Oregon State. Already talked about the fact that Oregon State has a pretty good defense uh, overall, I'm not super, super hyped to play any Cal player against them this week. So I think J. Michael Servant definitely is on the outside looking in here. And then Jaden Reed, he's going up against Rutgers this week. I think they can probably do pretty well. Again, they did really well against Illinois last week. You're definitely liking the performance that you got out of Reed last week for the most part. But even in a game like that where everything went right for Michigan State in terms of offense... He still only mustered you up about 15 fantasy points. Now, granted, two weeks ago against Wisconsin, he went absolutely ape. Nine receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown. But out of these three, I still got to go with Antoine Green. I know he had a rough performance last week. Three receptions for only 33 yards. Not your... Um, it's not it definitely not what you've been wanting to see out of him the last couple of weeks where he got uh, four receptions for 112 yards, 10 receptions for 180 yards the week before, multiple touchdowns. I think there's a bounce back week this week. Again, this is UNC is going to score points in this game. And Antoine Green is the wide receiver too there outside of Josh Downs. He's going to get plenty of work in this game. I'm rolling with him. No, literally no arguments. We're in agreement on a lot of these tonight. Um, If the total holds, which is 76, there's no way that I'm not playing Antoine Green this week. Rutgers has a good defense. Like, the defense is not the issue with Rutgers, for yep. the most part. Like, it, it, I, I actually took Rutgers to cover this game, for what it's worth. So you can hate me for, for that if you're tailing me. But, um, I yeah, I just, I, I like Anton Green here. Sturdivant is not really on my radar in this game, despite how involved he's been in the offense. Like, he definitely yeah. deserves credit for that. But Oregon, I, I, I don't like this, really, this matchup really either. They're much better than I think their stats indicate, right? They're like, they're about average in coverage grade, but I think they're better than that in limited explosive plays, which, you know, I, 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 he doesn't really strive with explosiveness. So maybe that's the one where I am a little concerned, but yeah, just go with Antoine green. I don't, I don't, I don't want to galaxy brand myself into Sturdivant because I don't think he's the right choice. No, Sturdivant, like the, the, the volumes there again he's gotten 10 plus targets over the last three weeks i think that's the only reason why he's in this conversation but 10 targets is great but if you're not doing anything really with him and your offense isn't really expected to score a whole ton in this game don't really like his odds so i'm gonna roll with antoine green just so many more touchdown potential so much more touchdown potential for him i think he more than anything just got really unlucky last week because he had seven targets last week and only caught three of them and just couldn't find the end zone so We'll see. Let's get over to these flexes. First one here comes to us from our good friend here on the staff of Campus Canton, Mr. Ethan Sowers. He's got running back Keaton Mitchell, running back out of East Carolina, going up against Cincinnati. Or we could go look at wide receiver out of UTSA, Joshua Cephas, 
who's going up against Louisiana Tech this week. Now, first of all, this is a PPR league, but I don't think this really matters that much because Keaton Mitchell's a pretty good receiving back, so that probably helps him out a little bit here. Here's my deal. I think Cephas makes this conversation interesting from the fact that DeCorian Clark, who has been the stud wide receiver for UTSA this year, is out for the rest of the year. That opens up some targets for him. But we didn't really see a huge uptick in Cephas's usage last week, even after uh, even after DeCorian Clark went down. I think he pretty much stayed right about the level. It's not like he's getting a huge bump here. He still performed well, don't get me wrong. Again, eight targets, five receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. I will take that any day of the week. But then you got Keaton Mitchell, who has been on an absolute roll recently, who has scored 39, 24, and 24 fantasy points over the last three weeks in half PPR formats. The big question is, do I think he can still do that against Cincinnati? I think he can. I still think that there's going to be enough room for him to make an explosive play or two against Cincinnati. They've let they they've let up some explosive plays this year. I think I'm still going to roll with Keaton Mitchell rather than trying to hope that Cephas gets his share of the passing yardage from UTSA. What do you think, Box? Um, I was trying to look up the target numbers for Cephas, which I. Did not have in front of me. Yeah. So he only had six targets last week, but he had 15 the week before. And he's had double digits in one, two, three, four games so far this season. And he's missed a matchup. I mean, I think I go with Cephas here. I, I actually think the Cincinnati defensive line is pretty good. The secondary, or back seven, I should say, is probably a little bit better. The defensive line scares me a little bit. I think I'm going to go with Cephas, but I'm only this. This would be a no contest Mitchell if DeCorian Clark was out. Uh, Louisiana Tech has a really, really bad secondary, and so I think Frank Harris is going to feast against this team. And I think mm-hmm. Cephas is clearly the wide receiver too. And I, I think a 102 game is not outrageous in this matchup. But no. I, I am starting Cephas. I actually am starting Cephas over Mitchell in a league. So Okay. If I am wrong, they, I, it burns me too. No, fair enough. Again, I think there's an argument for both of these guys. Again, the fact that Clark is out definitely makes this a more interesting conversation. I think I will roll with the guy who's probably going to get more touches, just knowing it. Even though, again, the, the, the matchup's definitely in Cephas's favor. Moving on to our next one here. These are always fun. We got to pick two of three here. So basically, we just got to pick who we're taking out here. Um, But this one involves a tight end as well. So we got two wide receivers and a tight end. We got Mr. Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia, going up against Mississippi State this week. Or we have Dane Key, wide receiver out of Kentucky, going up against Vandy. Or we could go with Allie Jennings, wide receiver out of Old Dominion, going up against James Madison. This comes to us from Mr. Dylan McKaggy. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that wrong. McKeague, maybe. Sorry, buddy. I think um, I think it's McKeague. McKeague, but but yeah. he he is in our Discord and we chat on Twitter. So if we are wrong, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll correct it next time. So there are upsides and downsides. Pretty much every one of these guys. So Brock Bowers, stud tight end. You you love to see it, but. 
it's one of those deals where you're sitting there thinking like, do I really want to start a tight end in my flex when I would rather do like a wide receiver or a running back? Because that feels a little crazy. But if you're going to do it, Brock Bowers is one of your guys. Um, Dane Key, great start to the year for Kentucky. Basically disappeared for a good chunk of the middle of the season. Had a really, really good game against Mizzou last week where he had caught four balls for 53 yards and two touchdowns. So a little touchdown dependent, but maybe a little bit of a resurgence going on here. And oh, by the way, he's going up against Vanderbilt this week. So that definitely helps him out quite a bit. But then you run and then you also have Allie Jennings, who is quietly having really one of the best wide receiver seasons in college fantasy. He's currently the wide receiver five on the year. This man, again, has quietly had a really, really good year, except for last week, where he only got five fantasy points from four targets on eight or eight targets with four receptions and 30 yards. And you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, that's okay. Like he went up against a pretty good defense in Marshall. He'll bounce back. Well, the problem is he's going up against James Madison, who I think might be the best defense in the Sun Belt currently. Mox, you can correct me on that, but just based on what I've seen out of the Sun Belt so far, James Madison's defense is definitely no joke. So this one's a little bit of a tough one because, again, there's ups and, ups and downs with all these guys. I think I'm still going to go back to start your studs here. Just go with Brock Bowers and go with Allie Jennings and hope they can overcome anything that might hold them back. What do you think, Box? No argument. Uh, Troy's the best defense in the Sun Belt, by the way. You're right. I By forgot, good amount in my, I good forgot, amount in my opinion. I forgot Troy is in the Sun Belt. Yes, we stand Troy in this house. Carlton Marshall is going to break the sack or er, sack tackle record this weekend. Make sure that you are tuned in to the Troy Army game. Absolutely. So, Mox, where are you going with these guys? Same thing, Bowers and Jennings. Same thing. Yeah. No. No. No question. Not overthinking the Dane Key, Key performance last week. Okay. Alrighty, I guess we'll just go ahead and move on. Let's get to the tight ends here. And this is a little weird. Michael Matheson, wide receiver slash tight end out of Western Kentucky. Um, this comes from Justin Donningham. He listed this as a tight end question. So I guess in whatever league he is in, Michael Matheson has somehow been designated as a tight end. Uh, but then we're also having him go up against preseason favorite tight end, Jaheim Bell. I didn't think we were going to be talking about him again. But except for the fact that last week with Marshawn Lloyd out, he got 16 carries against Vanderbilt. He got 56 yards. So he basically took over a running back role for South Carolina. Mox, you are the South Carolina expert here. What do you think here? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why Matheson's listed a tight end. But I, I guess if he is, then I I would probably go that way because I think Marshawn Lloyd will be back this week. Uh, if Marshawn Lloyd is not back, then you clearly go Jaheim Bell. But Jaheim Bell is not involved in the passing game for South Carolina at all, really. Which is so, so weird. Again, um, again, not not to he's go not that good. Everybody thinks he's so good. He's just not that good. He's just a really freak athlete. Like that is what he is. Like as a South Carolina fan, like he is a freakish athlete, and he can absolutely. Um, like tear it up, but you get him in a game where you get you get him matched up with against like a competent corner safety, like he's gonna struggle. He needs to improve a lot. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's my Jaheim rant. No, I, I, that 
went a different direction that I was kind of expecting a little bit, but fair <laughs> enough. Um, again, I, I, I actually follow his mom on Twitter, uh, which I honestly forgot that I did until I saw her tweets recently, where it clearly, clearly mama ain't happy with the way Jaheim Bell has been utilized in the South Carolina well, that's offense. Well, Marcus Satterfield's an idiot. Oh, he probably is. The South, but... the South Carolina offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, if you are not familiar, is obviously the brother of God the Louisville coach. Yes. He's an, he's is a bad offensive coordinator, straight up. Straight up. Like, he is. But South Carolina the, team the doesn't narr- have the personnel, but he stinks. The narrative street I was going to go down here is... I think there's clear path to Jaheim Bell entering the transfer portal after this season. I think again, Ma- I, if, if Mama think so, ain't ha- I think he's going to, de- I think he's going to declare. Well, it, it, he'll either declare or he'll he'll go to the transfer portal, one or the other. But if it is transfer portal, that's where he's heading. I do wonder if there is going to be a concerted effort to try to utilize him just a little bit more in these last couple of weeks to try to prove, like, hey, no, we can utilize you. Again, it's a narrative street. We try not to go down that too often, but it is something I've kind of been thinking about with him, and especially now that I saw that with Marshawn Lloyd out last week, they gave him 16 carries. So maybe, maybe Mama, maybe Mama came in, said some words, and maybe Jaheim Bell gets a little bit more utilized further down. But until that's confirmed, I say we just go Michael Matheson and utilize the fact that for some reason he's a tight end in your league. Yeah. Not not sure if that's bad. And this is a flex question that just got incorrectly labeled, too. I would still go Matheson for what it's worth. Yeah, I agree. All right. Last tight end question here. We got the Battle of the Masons. We got Mason Fairchild, tight end out of mm-hmm. Kansas. Or we go with Mason Taylor, freshman tight end out of LSU. This one comes to us from our long or very consistent listener, Mr. Benjamin Jacob. I don't like Mason Fairchild. I don't. I, I called it two weeks ago that his two weeks of good performance was just a fluke. He was not going to be a guy utilized in the offense from there. The next week, he got five targets for 19 yards. The next week after that, he got one target for zero yards. He is not a guy that is a huge part of this offense. You got two guys here again, one of, one of whom recently has... Uh, one of whom recently has gotten six targets over the last two games and 19 yards in the last two games versus Mason Taylor, who has really come on strong in these last two weeks and caught not only a go-ahead touchdown to keep LSU in the game against Alabama, but then caught the game-winning two-point conversion. That's the kind of momentum that a, especially a freshman can carry through them into their career and really leads to a lot of trust moving forward. To me, Mason Taylor is a easy, easy pick here. And honestly, to me, one of the better pickups you can make in a dynasty league right now if you want to solidify a tight end for the next good bit. What do you think, Mox? Are these really the two best options that you have? And there's not somebody else, maybe? I don't know. I don't like either of these guys either. But I will go, I, I, I will agree with you. We're in lockstep on a lot of these tonight. Um, Mace Taylor carrying their momentum. I didn't, we were on the same page about Fairchild too. Like this dude just got, had blew up against two really, really bad defenses and basically have done nothing else the entire season. He didn't even have a target in their last game. Uh, or if he did, he didn't have a catch. Because he had one target. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He had one target in the last game. So. Yeah. I don't really trust 
Fairchild to do anything. And I don't really want to be trusting Taylor either. I just think that he's being utilized in the red zone to the point where I think you have to start him if these are your two options. I would say, like, if, if that's kind of what you want in your tight end most of the time is like you you want oh, a, yeah. you want a guy that like when they get down inside the twenty like that's who they're going to. So I think I I think he's a pretty good start this week. If I did tight end rankings this week, he probably would be in my rankings. So with that being said, oh hello fat boy. Yep, there's the tail. This this yes, fat boy, fat boy is the cat that you are currently fostering, right? Yes, this, so he. Fat boy, say hello to everybody again. Mox me, fat boy. He's a pretty thing. He's a bit of a chonk. Ugh. Yeah, oh yeah, I I can tell. There you go. Here, get in the camera. Alrighty, that's enough of that. You can go lie down here now, because that's your favorite spot. He has a little spot on my desk, my left here, that whatever I sit here, he likes to come over and lay down on. Alright, enough of cat talk. Let's get over to some of these game matchups this week. Again, it's playoff week. Still, like, you want to go for safe guys for the most part. You want to just start your studs and hope they carry you through these next three weeks. That doesn't mean you can't be still on the lookout for waiver wire and looking for guys that you would take advantage of some of these higher scoring matchups. So let's talk about this first one here. We got LSU at Arkansas. Over-under on this game is 64 LSU only a three-point favorite. I think that surprises a lot of people after the fact they beat Alabama last week. I think going on on the road to Arkansas is a pretty rough environment to follow that up on. Uh, so I don't blame that whatsoever, but we're going to talk about some of the players here. I'll start with LSU. Jaden Daniels obviously a start. The problem is, who do you start outside of that? It feels like there's no consistent guys at wide receiver that you're that is a true go-to guy for Jaden Daniels, and they cannot, I repeat, cannot settle in on this running back room. Justin Williams, uh, John Emery Jr., heck, throw Jaden Daniels in there as well. All three of these guys are getting rushing attempts. There's nobody really kind of stepping up. I Again, I'm a big fan of Mason Taylor. I think that if he is a tight end that is available and you're looking for a tight end option that you just really don't like any of your guys and you're looking for somebody with some momentum moving forward, I think he is a legitimate start this week. Mox, what are your thoughts on LSU, and who are you looking at on the Arkansas side of things? Uh, yeah, the only player that I'll play is Shane Daniels. Um, on Arkansas, KJ Jefferson, Raheem Sanders. I think you could probably play Matt Landers if you wanted to. He's kind of come on in recent weeks. He's been a big part of the offense all season, though. Um, I don't want to play Jadon Hazelwood, but I think you could if you need to. Okay. It's total 64, so I mean it's high scoring enough where you could see it happening. Yeah. The only problem is that Arkansas, when they get down near the red zone, definitely loves to just kind of run it down your throat until they reach the goal line rather than trying to throw it to you. So Yep, again, not 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 too much again. I think it's kind of the obvious starts here in this game. Um do we want to do we want to call an upset here, Mox? Do you think Arkansas takes down LSU? No. I don't. Not this week. That they're uh, one of their best corners or safeties, Miles Slusher, uh, was also arrested this week, so that's a that hurts their chances as well. I would say that government Arkansas, you cannot, you can't, they can't keep anybody in that secondary hardly because they they lost Catalan, and I think I think some of their corners have been down too as well. So again, you you might take a shot on one of these LSU wide receivers. I just couldn't tell you which one it would be. 
So maybe Butte finally goes off this week. So we'll see. Moving on, let's go over to the Big 12 where we got another high-scoring matchup here. We got Oklahoma at West Virginia. Over under in this game, 66 points. Oklahoma only an 8-point favorite. I think there's a lot of potential options here for people to start with. But Mox, it is your turn to pick a team first, so I'll let you do it. Uh, I'll pick Oklahoma because I think you start Dylan Gabriel, Eric Gray, Marvin Mims, Braden Wills. You don't even think about any other options. Like straight up, like this is a very simple team to project because it's a very narrow target share. Yeah. That's kind of always been one of the great things about Levy's offense, especially in the receiving game, is that once he finds his main target, that's basically where they want to throw the ball to as much as they can. The one thing I've kind of been surprised about with Oklahoma this year is they have really kind of solidified themselves around Eric Gray. One of my big complaints during the offseason was the fact that Jeff Levy refused refused to get out of a committee approach to running backs, and we saw that for a good chunk of the season here with Eric Gray, Javante Barnes, Marcus Major, and all of them. But now Eric Gray, pretty much on a week-in, week-out basis, is getting the carries and the volume you need to really trust him as a CFF asset. So good on him. West Virginia side of things, JT Daniels, man, even in the good games, that in, even in the games where it looks like this is the game where he should go off, he has not been performing. And it's really disappointing for him because, like, I... I know for a fact that in the right system, he feels like he would be good. Problem is, he's in the right system now. He's in the system that should make him absolutely explode, and he's just not there. He's only gotten 2,000 yards in the season, 13 touchdowns. just not been a great year for him so far. And then wide receiver room here. Man, I thought Caden Prather was finally kind of taking over as the wide receiver one. He has just been kind of up and down pretty much in recent weeks. I'd say if you have a... West Virginia wide receiver on your roster and you just want to roll the dice on them, totally fine by me. Just know that, again, you're playing with fire a little bit because it really basically boils down to one, maybe two of these guys eats per week, and there's absolutely going to be one of them that just completely falls apart. And then Justin Johnson, that running back room for West Virginia has been got completely torn up. Mathis is out. Our boy C.J. Donaldson, uh tight end glory of tight end glory he is uh out for the rest of the year as well so justin johnson's come in he's looked pretty good and west virginia and graham harrell really have been running the ball a little bit more than you would expect so i think he's a pretty decent option but he's not somebody i would want to rely on any thoughts on that mox um no i mean i i, I agree with that i don't really want to start anybody in west virginia this week if i don't have to no. in all honesty Again, I just don't like this offense and how it, how it looks. It's not Graham Harrell's fault. It's JT Daniels just actually stinks. Yeah. And I don't think any of their QBs behind him really have stepped up. Maybe Mark Yall does better next year because this is JT Daniels' last year, but we'll see. Moving on here, let's go to G5. Again, enough of these Power 5 teams. Let's go talk about some G5 teams, and let's talk about two of the teams with probably some of the worst defenses in the entire country. We got Charlotte versus Middle Tennessee here. Middle Tennessee, a 11-point favorite here in an over-under in this game of 67 and a half. Mox, where are you going with this one? Which team would you like to talk about? Uh, let me talk Middle Tennessee. Um, Chase Cunningham, I think you can start. Frank Peasant has been like, 
I don't think I've talked about him at all on the show, but he's been nope. really good. Like, super, super solid. I think you can play him against Charlotte's defense, who is awful. And I really like receiver Jalen Lane. I think he's the only consistent option. He had a bad week last week, but that's fine. I'm not worried about it. I, I think those are the core three that you started in Middle Tennessee. And I don't think you really want to mess around with anybody else because I think the floor is very low. I mean, there's there, there's gonna be plenty of scoring opportunities for so many of these guys. The problem is, I don't think you're gonna really know outside of these three where those points are going to go to. On the Charlotte side of things, this trio of wide receivers, man, it's very similar to the West Virginia guys, where it's like you know one of them is going to eat. You know, two of them probably could eat any given week. The problem is, you don't want to end up with the third guy that probably isn't getting the volume necessary to have a really good cff week elijah spencer has been getting the touchdowns recently i'd probably be comfortable rolling with him grant dubose has started getting more volume so i'd probably be comfortable with him i think victor tucker is probably your odd man out this week possibly but again this these guys have been going back and forth i want to like chris reynolds as a cff option this week again middle tennessee not a very good defense whatsoever but again, he's never really had the high floor that he had last year for this team. I'm trying to look it up. What's he? What's he currently going? He's currently the water or the QB uh, 75 on the year. He pretty much all year has gotten either 25 plus fantasy points or like 12 to 16. And as much as I think this is a game where he could end up with 25 plus points, because again, this is how the bad bad the defense is for Middle Tennessee. It's playoff weeks. I don't want to roll the dice on guys like that. So I'd probably hold off on that. And same thing with Shadrick Bird. Charlotte's defense is horrendous. They're constantly playing from behind. I don't think Shadrick Bird is going to be have the game script to really perform well in this. So I agree with that. It. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I like DeBose and Spencer a lot this week. Total 67 and a half. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who I think think are i think you can project a little bit well mm-hmm. and those three receivers are are who I, I you can feel somewhat confident in, in my opinion yeah i concur all right back to power five let's go talk about some pac-12 teams here we got washington at oregon oregon a 13 and a half point favorite here but this over under man 62 or excuse me 72 and a half points we have seen both of these offenses look really good throughout this year. Oregon pretty much looks unstoppable. We don't even need to talk about Bo Nix. He's the QB one of the season. No reason not to believe that he'll not have another really good week here. So Moxley, who else are you starting here? Again, on the Washington side, again, Penix, Adunze. I feel like people are pretty pretty safe on those guys. But who else are you looking at here? I think you can start Jalen McMillan with, with some level of confidence. I don't want to start either running back, but I think if you need to, you can start Cam Davis. Uh, Jalen Polk's a little bit interesting, but I don't know what he's going to do this week. And then Devin Culp, if you are in a bind at tight end, that is who I would roll with. Again, a bind, like a true I am desperate situation. Yeah. Um, I see Troy Franklin listed here. Is he back? Uh, my assumption is yes, but I'm not a hundred percent. Okay. I mean, if he's back, I play him. That's, that's a pretty easy one. Him and Bo Nix have had great chemistry before he got hurt. Um, 
Bucky Irving, I think, is a solid start at running back. He is a high floor kind of guy. I don't think that his ceiling is very much capped by the fact that Bo Nix is going to run it in at least one to two times per game. That takes away touchdown opportunities for Irving. And then Terrence Ferguson, pretty much in the same vein as Devin Culp. I think he's a little bit better than Devin Culp, but pretty much you start him if you're really in a bind at tight end. You're looking at your tight ends. You're like, man, my guys have stunk over the last couple of weeks. And actually, I'm, I'm looking at it now. Terrence Ferguson's actually tight end 19 on the year. But if I believe if I look at his standings on a week in and week out, but yeah, it's come from some really good weeks early on. And pretty much since then, he's been average to meh at best. So I think if you're looking for average at meh, a safe floor, a tight end, Terrence Ferguson is your guy. And then Chris Hudson, if he if Troy Franklin is out, I would be willing to entertain Chris Hudson, but I think I can find better value elsewhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, I is Franklin hurt? Did I miss this? Yeah, I think I hurt. He got hurt in one of the games. I should, I should oh. know this off the top of my head, but yeah, he got hurt. I must I must have missed this. That's that's my bad. Yeah, I'm looking he, it he up. got to hurt two weeks. Yeah, he got to hurt two weeks ago, I guess. But he came back in that game. I thought. I don't know. Either way, I think he plays this week. Based on what I have, I have been seeing, uh, projection wise and handicapping wise, I I think he will play. Mm-hmm. Again, if he plays, obviously he's a start. Like I'm not, I'm not going to argue that whatsoever. It's just I'm a little skeptical about the fact that he will play. Um. Let's move on to our last game here. Let's go back to the Big 12 here. We got Kansas at Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas, bowl eligible for the first time in like, God knows how long. I, I should know that off the top of my head. But again, they're they're bowl eligible. So congratulations to them on that. And then, um, whatchamacallit? Um, uh, lost my train of thought. Yeah, they're bowl eligible for the first time. You got Texas Tech coming off a... Honestly, a pretty bad loss to TCU, in my opinion, because like it, like they had TCU for a good chunk of that game, and then they just kept going for it on fourth down inside their own territory. It's the weirdest thing. They went like two for thirteen on third downs on the day. It was just a pretty awful offensive performance from Texas Tech for the most part, which leads me to wonder. Again, they're going up against Kansas this week, so hopefully they can turn things around a little bit. Mox, pick a team and let me know wh- where you're going with this one. I'm gonna have Kansas because it's the easier team to project. Um, no, I can make it. Jalen Daniels, me. Devin Neal, maybe Luke Grimm, and wash your hands of the situation. That's it. Like I, you do not have to overcomplicate it. Jalen Daniels, who I am fairly confident will play this week, and then Devin Neal, who had a really solid week last week. Luke Grimm, who is a wide receiver one in this offense. Like there's there's nothing more I think you need. If you are desperate, again, we talked about him earlier, but Mason Fairchild can weasel his way into your lineup potentially in very desperate circumstances. Yeah. On the Texas Tech side of things, Tyler Shuck, I think is a start. Taj Brooks, man, like stop giving the ball to Roderick Thompson. He's not good. He is not a good running back. I watch him several times, and I constantly question the decisions that he is making out there. And again, I am not a football player. I'm not much of an athlete. I feel like if I was out there, I would be making better decisions than him. I know, I'm probably armchair running back over here, but still. My mind is blown when I watch him. Taj Brooks, easily the better running back. They need to get him more carries. And I think he is a start if you're really struggling at running back and need a pretty decent option. 
And then, man, this mess of a wide receiver room. <sighs> Again, Xavier White was looking really, really good as like that slot option for Texas Tech for a while until Miles Price came back. And it would be okay if Miles Price just kind of overtook the work that Xavier White was doing there for a couple of weeks. The problem is that Miles Price isn't really doing much either, and it all did was really take away opportunities from Xavier White. So in a playoff week, stay away from this wide receiver room. I'm not, again, there's, there, people are going to score points. These guys are going to, like, these guys are probably, one or two of these guys are probably going to have a pretty good week. I have no way of telling you who it is going to be. So I would stay away and go for much safer guys during a playoff week. So, yeah. One last honorable mention here. We're not going to go deep diving into it. But again, the Western Kentucky versus Rice game. That is an over-under 61.5. Go do your own research and challenge yourself to find <laughs> which values you think are in that game. Again, it's a little bit of fun. It's like I'm a teacher over here. Like, I do all this stuff for you in the classroom, and then here's your homework assignment. Go research White Rice versus Western Kentucky and tell me who you would start in that game. So. Yeah, we gave, we gave you all nine games. That's true. In depth. So that, that's your homework, Rice versus Western Kentucky. And if you want me to give you a little hint, there are two Rice receivers that I think you want to start this week. Yeah, I would say so. I think that they're in for a very, very good week this week. Yep. That being said, this is the end of the show. Mox, you have been incredible, sir. Really appreciate you coming in and discussing these sit starts with me. As always, we've had a ton of fun with this throughout the season, y'all. Like I said before, make sure you go to campusacant.com. Check out all of our stuff over there. Mox, you want to tease anything before we get out of here? Um, No, just make sure you're in the Discord. It's, it's playoff week, which means that we are kind of extra involved answering questions and whatnot. So feel free to ask and, and let us know what, what's on your mind uh, in terms of sit-start decisions and just strategy, too. Yep. Yeah, again, the Discord is an awesome place to be. I wish I was a little bit more involved in there during the season. I was definitely very involved in there during the offseason. Life just got in the way a little bit. But even still, it's a great time in there. I love reading the conversations between all the different guys. You guys crack me up in there a ton. So with that being said, really appreciate all of you guys listening. Again, good luck with all your playoff games. If you are looking to get into your playoff games, best of luck to you as well. And if you are out there trying to knock somebody else out of the playoffs because you're outside the playoffs and you're a masochist like I am and you just want to see other people uh, cry and not get into the playoffs, good luck to you as well. Really appreciate all of you guys listening. Hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. See you all.